Hello, gorgeous. Welcome back to Gala Loves Everything. We took a little hiatus, but we're back. And this episode is going to be so huge. I can already tell. This episode is an interview with my microdosing coach, Casey Garrett. And in this interview, she's answering all the questions that you guys submitted about what it means to start microdosing psilocybin, what you need to know to get started, what the risks are, who should do it, who shouldn't, and some of the benefits that you're going to experience if you decide to take up this amazing practice for yourself. And Casey has just the best, very high vibe frequency. And I felt it from her immediately the very first time we spoke on the phone. And it's why I decided to work with her and why I'm bringing her to you guys today. She really is someone who has deep integrity. I felt very supported and cared for by her. And I think that's really important when you're embarking on something like this. So look, without any further ado, let's get into the episode. You are listening to Gala Loves Everything with Gala Darling, where we talk about manifesting your future self and healing what keeps you small and boring. With over 17 years in the healing industry, you can count on me to keep it clear, concise, and real with a side of F-bombs. Yeah, I'm almost definitely going to say fuck. If you want to be the creative badass you've always dreamed of, I've got you. Let's go. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to bring this interview to you today. This is just something that is so dear to my heart right now and I feel so passionate about. And I've been talking about a lot on Instagram and Substack, and it is about microdosing psilocybin and the massive benefits that I have personally experienced. And some of you know, I just came back from the psychedelics conference in Denver, Colorado, and now I'm even more of an evangelist. I was on the phone with Natalia the other day talking about how like there's consciousness in everything and everything has a memory and she was like, I never in a million years would have expected to hear this from you. This is so amazing. And I have received so many questions about microdosing. And because it's something that is still relatively new to me, I really wanted to get your questions answered by someone that I trust to answer them really thoughtfully and intentionally. And so today I'm so excited to introduce you to Casey Garrett, who is my, I'd call her my microdosing guide, my coach. And I found her literally by Googling And I came across a program she offers called Microdosing for Healing, which is a six-week immersion. And I felt really called to do it. And just the experience I had in the program was so amazing. And I know that you all have a lot of questions. But anyway, before we get into the questions, welcome, Casey. Thank you so much for jumping on today. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait. It's so funny. People are always like, oh, you know, so like your program that you did, like, who's the woman? I'm like, I got on the phone with this woman and her energy was just so good. And I feel like she laughs before she answers everything. And she's just very joyful. And I felt like that was the perfect person to lead me through this experience. (laughs) Perfect. I think one of the first questions that came through was, Um, you know, why would somebody want to work with a guide for this or a coach for this? And I'm going to give my answer, like why I did it. And then Casey, I'd love to hear from you. So in my experience, I had done psilocybin in the past, but it had been unpleasant. I had felt nauseated and the nausea had really taken me out of the potential benefits of the experience. It was sort of all I could focus on. And so I had learned a lot about why microdosing could be beneficial, but I was really nervous about it, honestly. 
exactly. And I was very concerned it was going to make me feel sick and I wasn't going to know what to do and I wasn't going to understand dosage or anything like that. And so when I found this program that was, you know, six weeks with other women who were all kind of on the same path, I really wanted that support and I wanted to be in a container where I felt really cared for. So that's why I chose to do that. And obviously you don't have to do that, but Casey, I'd love to hear why you think it's beneficial for people to do this. Thank you. That is one of the questions I get most often as well. I work with a lot of healing artists and a lot of people who've had decades of contemplative practice and they're like, why can't I do this on my own? Right. But then they start and they're like, okay, now, now I see. It's such a unique and novel experience. You know, we're so conditioned in our Western framework to conceive of these medicines as a pill. You know, even if even if we we think we don't, we do have that deep conditioning of something external outside of ourselves doing something to or for us. And it's so not that in reality. And so it really takes getting into the process and the practice to really understand it, to begin to understand it, and then having the support and guidance through such a novel experience is really, really, really important. I mean, my whole inspiration for creating the program and the community was to support people in a way because back when I began, you know, I, there were only a couple other people I knew who were in this world doing it. And so a lot of it was just going, is this normal? Is this natural? And just all of these things that were happening and these profound shifts and epiphanies and growth was happening. And I was like, huh. And so really creating a support structure container to hold people, give people enough structure, but also to give them the ability to flow in their unique timing and their unique process. Um, in the group experience, you really get to see nature's breadth of how she does her work, right? Like everybody's experience is so unique and it's unique to their soul and their spirit and their own divine timing. So that's why I think having, yes, can you do it on your own? Yes. If you're, if you're highly resourced and have a strong background in personal development and healing arts, you're equipped to do it on your own, but it's, it's so much more easy to integrate the experience that you're having. And also it's just deeply supportive to your transformational process. If you have that kind of power and catalyst of a, of a group. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And for me, it's really funny. You know, I've joined programs in the past that have kind of like a Zoom call every week and I never go to the Zoom call. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about this. But I was at every single meeting that you guys had, even I like called in from Hawaii. Um, and the reason for that was it felt really good to be with people who were going through the same process because no one else in my life was experiencing that shift in the same timing. So there wasn't really anyone to discuss it with. And even just having, you know, 10, 15 minutes to talk about what I had noticed and what I was experiencing really helped me feel like, okay, I'm doing it right. Like this is happening in its own time and that's perfect. And what I'm experiencing is it, like, it's right, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I would say in a group, like you got to see firsthand, like you are exceptionally aware 
of your energy and could and have written beautifully articulated uh, the subtlety of the experience. It's very profound, but it's very, very subtle. And so if you don't have a group and a support and a guide, it's very easy to miss the shifts that are happening for most people. Um, you know, in the group experience, every single group, I think we've ever had, someone will start off, you know, their time and start off with, well, not a lot happened. And, you know, I don't know. And then they go on to share what happened. <laughs> and the rest of the group is like, <laughs> what are you, what are you talking about? And then they, it's the saying it out loud. It's the sharing it and having people mirror and reflect and hold you is really, um, a beautiful part of the process. And I've seen, as I've worked with so many people now one-on-one and I've worked with so many people in groups, you still go through the same process. You still benefit, but the group dynamic speeds up the process exponentially. Mm, Love that. And look, who doesn't want to move a little bit faster, right? We're all kind of like, yes, get (laughs) me there yesterday, please. Snap, snap. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Okay. So another question that we got was just who is microdosing for and who is it not for? And for me, you know, I was really called to it because I wanted to expand my emotional capacity. I wanted to be able to be with my feelings. I wanted to drop some of the armor so that I could connect more deeply with others. And I also was pretty excited about the creative benefits. And, you know, it has just delivered on all of those things. And then some, like, my life has fully shifted and transformed. And I only started microdosing in April. So, I mean, you know, it's June. Like, that's fucking wild. Um, And then I went to a psychedelics conference and was like, cool, I'm going to shift my whole business. Let's do this. So... Yeah. So for me, those were the reasons that I came to it. Um, But I'd love to hear your thoughts on who it's for and who it's not a good fit for. Mm, That's an excellent question. So you are a great, great example of someone who has spent and invested time and energy into developing yourself already. The medicine just loves you. So it just, your process is breathtaking and how quickly it can happen when people lay the foundation for many, many years and decades sometimes of like kind of tilling the soil. And then when you meet the medicine, it happens so fast and it's something within you. It's just the medicine is kind of this, you know, this catch fire and it takes off. And so I've seen this over and over again with my clients who are you know, I laugh when people say, who has the best experience? And it's it's my 70 plus year old female clients who have like 40, 50 years of contemplative practice behind them. They've been meditating or doing energy work for many, many decades. And they're kind of the people that go, well, how much further can I really take this? And then they start practice and it's it just like you, it's it shifts your life so in every way in such a profound way in such a short amount of time. So I think people who have a wonderful experience are people who've really are ready or have been their whole life investing the time in their development, their growth, uh, their energy practices. Um, Those people tend to succeed really well. People who, and we've seen this more in recent months as it gets more and more in the mainstream, is people come in sometimes with really... um, 
too fixed expectations, unrealistic timelines of what the medicine can do for them. So it's kind of like, it's very much a partnership. And and Gala, you know this, inside the container, I really emphasize this is a partnership and this is kind of a dance with spirit and nature that you're doing. And every bit that you bring to the relationship is going to come back to you in spades. But it's not an entitlement. It's not um, an expectation of the medicine to come in and save you from yourself or your circumstance. It's very much a participant participatory, um, two-way experience. Love that. Yeah. And it, it was really interesting to witness people in the group go through their different kind of waves of experience with it. Some people you could feel were not so self-aware and were starting to really wake up to some truths about themselves that maybe were a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but everybody's experience was just so radically different. And the thing that I loved that was so unusual was, well, it seemed unusual, where a lot of women in the program had um, PMDD. They really struggled with painful periods. They became like psychotic during their period. And by the time we were done, they were all like, yeah, I have my period. And like, I'm a little bit grumpy, but I'm okay, which was absolutely amazing. And the other thing that really stood out to me was a woman who had said that she had started microdosing because she'd noticed signs of early onset dementia and the microdosing completely cleared up all the symptoms. Yes, absolutely. Holy shit. Those are the two areas that we have seen the most profound physical healing, like remarkable. It's been in nervous system related healing and PMDD, hormonal, you know, female, quote unquote, female issues around menstruation and menopause. It's been unbelievable. And so quickly, as you saw, I mean, the women in our container and and other containers with PMDD, sometimes they have tried everything for decades to, to solve for this or minimize this and to see them, all of their extreme symptoms subsides so substantially in just a matter of weeks is is pretty amazing. Yeah, it really is incredible. And to nerd out slightly, when I was at the conference, Paul Stamets was talking about how his Stamets stack, which is adding lion's mane and niacin to your psilocybin microdose, has massive benefits for Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's disease. And I really believe that anyone who's like 40 plus needs to do their research on this because it really is proving to be so good for your brain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I The way I envision microdosing evolving from here is it's going to be a spiritual supplement, so to speak, and with great mm-hmm. healing benefits too. Like I often describe microdosing to people who are a little bit wary and still think it's a little bit fringy and weird. You know, that's how yoga was in the seventies. You know, seventies yoga was like a few weirdos and California people were doing it, but the rest of the country was just like, what are you doing? People in leotards bending around. And now you look at yoga studios and it's literal. it's like Mick yoga. <laughs> like it's, it's so mainstream. It's so normal. And you can go to like any corner of the planet and yoga is just normal. I think we are quickly going to get to the point where microdosing, the benefits are just so immediate and so undeniable. I think it's just going to continue to build and 
my, my hope and my vision for the way it unfolds is to have microdosing and medicines in the hands of healing artists and the transform transformational agents in society because they go hand in hand. Yeah, I love that. It was really interesting. Gabor Mate also spoke at the conference and he was talking about how in Australia, psilocybin is able to be prescribed by psychiatrists. And he was like, there's no reason why they should be prescribing this because they have no idea how to work with it. It's completely outside of their sphere of excellence. Yes. Yes. And, and that's very up right now. You were just at the conference and and you got to see, you know, we're at that inflection point where it's moving from kind of quote unquote alternative realms and fringe to mainstream. And now the question is all of the gatekeeping, you know, who gets to do this work, who gets to own this work, who gets to prescribe this and profit by it. Um, that's, that's the issue that's before us right now. And I think that's in part why I believe so strongly in cultivation, because that is what makes it really accessible, really personal and private. And so no matter what the insurance companies do, <laughs> you know, over time and big pharma does, um, regular people all over will be able to grow and cultivate their own medicines. Yeah, I love that. And I think with almost everything in life, there's so much value in being the person that does the thing for yourself rather than relying on someone else or needing some external source to provide you with whatever. Um, and so that brings us to the question that came through the most when I asked on Instagram stories, which was like, where do I get it? What do I do? And um, <laughs> I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to hear your answer to that question. <laughs> Always. Yes. This question is, of course, yeah, super relevant to everybody. And sourcing to me is really, really, really important. You know, I think it matters so deeply how your medicine is sourced, the intention with which it's created. You know, very, very soon you're going to be able to get shrooms everywhere, you know, shrooms and gummies, shrooms and chocolate, shrooms and, and that's wonderful to make it accessible, but it really, really matters how the medicine is held, the intention and vibration. And so sourcing, you want to be thoughtful about it, not be in a rush. Um, cultivation is always a great option. There's lots and lots of companies out there with, you know, kits that can help support you in 48 of the 50 states. It's legal to buy spores um, freely and, and cultivate. So over and above cultivation though, everything is shifting so rapidly. Like here in California, Santa Cruz and Oakland have been decriminalized for some time. They were among the first cities in the country. And there's now states uh, decriminalizing statewide and establishing legal frameworks for psilocybin. Um, Colorado just passed recently, Oregon passed uh, recently as well on a state level. And hopefully it is moving a bill statewide in California is currently moving through the different committees um, in our California Congress. So hopefully soon there will be more flexibility with sourcing. Um, but I really, when people come to me with this question, it's <laughs> medicine practice and earth medicine practice is so magical and so mycelial that if you just step into it a bit, you know, things open up before you 
and you meet exactly who you're meant to meet. You find your guide, you find your medicine and people. It's very mycelial on that, you know, you get magnetized to exactly the thing you need and exactly the timing for you. Yeah. So true. And that has really been my experience as well. It was like, when I met you, I realized that somebody else I knew had worked with you before. And I spoke to her and she was like, oh, Casey's amazing. And then when I spoke to you, I've been referred to so many other people through you. And it really is a network of people, but I think it does rely on us getting a little bit out of our comfort zone and taking that first step and asking people, you know, and I think most people listening would be surprised to learn that a lot of people in their life might already be doing this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Yeah. I've had, I've had many people tentative to do practice, um, some oftentimes because of their job and work situation and their profession, and they're worried about getting in trouble. And little do they know, I, I work with their CEO. <laughs> <laughs> I work with their boss already. And I, yeah, it, of course I don't, and cannot say anything, but I think people are far more ready for this than, than we can see on the surface right now. Yeah. So one question that I got that was really interesting was, um, let me just find this so I can read it exactly. And I had so many questions. Words of wisdom for those who are no to drugs, but curious about the healing effects of psilocybin. <sighs> this is a big one. I love to speak about, <laughs> I love to speak about this because I was like the ultimate 80s kid. You know, I I was on elementary school when I, like the commercials were on and the whole Reagan era was like at full speed and we were so indoctrinated in the in the drug war uh, propaganda. And so as soon as you take the time to learn the history of how these medicines came to be placed on schedule 1, it's infuriating. Um it was originally in the 60s research was going really, really well. They were really far along in establishing psychedelic in healing modalities. Psychedelics were going to have a role in the AA movement. And then politics came into it. And really it's much longer than this and more nuanced than this, but it was really the Nixon administration choosing to use these drugs as a wedge um, politically for an election purpose and campaign purpose. And so psilocybin does not meet any of the criteria to be a schedule one drug <laughs> yet, yet it was made such. And once you do those things, it's way harder to undo um, these things. So that's why the decriminalization movement, I think is so, so important. Um, everybody comes down slightly different than this, but I feel strongly that decrim needs to precede legalization. Um, one, it is far easier to, to make happen. And I think just creating a, a culture and society where we can say, while they're not legal um, and you might not be able to sell and retail them, making it decriminalized for people to use these medicines for their own healing and their own spiritual sacred use, I think is the best first step we can do. So I think educating yourself about the history, um, what is really, really eye-opening to see who and what is controlling these things 
And it's maddening to see like the deep healing that we see in, in our groups real time, what is possible for people and to know that it was just really politics. Um, and men who really um, gatekeeped um, these things. So it's going to be interesting to see things evolve from here. Um, the other thing too, I think once you, especially once you begin practicing, you realize this is not a drug experience at all. It's, it's very, very different. It's very unique. And we only use the word medicines and drugs because we honestly don't have the English words to really properly speak to what these medicines are. Um, so we use medicine and we use drugs just because those are the frameworks we have. But once you get you get connected to the medicine, you see that even calling them or comparing them to um, addictive drugs or harmful drugs is such an injustice for all of us. Yeah, I loved when you described them as a spiritual supplement because I feel like that really encompasses this is something that is going to add to what you're already doing and also is going to connect you to this sense of something greater rather than, I don't know, putting you into a, a K-hole or something like that, you know? And one of the things that you said to me when we very first spoke about microdosing was that it was a sub-perceptual experience. So that means, and, you know, I had lots of questions about like, you know, what about nausea? What about this? You know, am I going to be able to function at my job? Like, can I drive a car? When you microdose, you shouldn't feel anything different. Like, you shouldn't be like, wow, colors or whatever. Like I definitely have pulled over to like marvel at flowers in a field for <laughs> sure that's happened, but I have in no way lost control of my senses. I'm completely in control of myself. And the thing that I love most about it is it feels to me that it plugs me back into my magic and that childlike awe and wonder that I used to feel before I got maybe slightly jaded and cynical about life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. It's such a hard thing to describe because subperceptual means you don't feel anything, but that's you do feel shifts and changes like that. Like people often ask me, like, what can I expect at first? And most people do notice very quickly, yes, this deepened connection with nature. You just smell flowers a little bit more deeply. It's like nature kind of grabs your attention in a new way. And sometimes it's animals and sometimes it's the plant world. But that's very, very common. Also, people tend to notice a shift in their cognition, for sure. Their memory is better. Their focus is better. Their ability to retain detail. Um, you know, Paul Stamets calls psilocybin the Einstein molecule. And to me, that's actually quite accurate. Um, it's one of those experiences people, once they start, they're like, gosh, I wish I had been doing this 20 years ago. Now, it would have made such a difference in my life. So, yes, well said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another question that we got a lot was, um, I'm going to literally read it to you. I've never tried mushrooms and I want to, but am so scared in all caps. I'm also on antidepressants. Would they interact badly or would they interact? Okay. Mm, great question. Super common question too. I would say of, especially now in the last six months, the applications we receive, about half of people are on antidepressants. So it's very, very common. Um, I encourage people not to be discouraged 
if they are on antidepressants, it's just another variable and a wrinkle to, to work through in practice. Addressing the fear first. I like to, when people express fear, I like to dig under that a little bit to see where that is coming from. Sometimes it's coming from within and sometimes it's coming from without. So the without version is judgment of a spouse, you know, judgment of society, getting in trouble, that kind of conditioning. Other people have a lot of internal fear and say, I'm scared because they know something is there, like behind the door. They know that their anxiety, they know their depression, their PTSD is rooted in something. And they're like, I'm not sure I'm ready to know and see that fully yet. And that's totally legitimate. And, but those are very different things. Right. And so I kind of have an idea where, how to hold someone depending on where their fear is coming from with antidepressants. It really matters which one you're on each different family of antidepressants is, has completely different mechanisms on, on the brain. So we would take into account which one you're on, what your dosage is and how long you have been on it is also highly, highly relevant. Being on an antidepressant for six months or a year is completely different than someone who's been on it for 25 years. We have seen firsthand. So for our program, we have a collaborative uh, pharmacist that we work with who has deep experience in integrative pharmacy as well as psilocybin. Uh, She's worked at psilocybin retreat centers And so she's a wonderful resource for people who come in very frequently and say, I'm on antidepressants. I feel like they're helping somewhat. I'm certainly not happy or thriving, but I'm more afraid to come off of them because I don't know if I'm going to feel much worse. And I I can't feel much worse than I already do on them, (laughs) which is just so heartbreaking to hear. But that I hear that so, so frequently. So a lot of people say if they could come off of them, they would be very, very open to that because they tend to have so many other side effects that are diminishing to their lives. So the pharmacist we collaborate with, she is available to work with people one-on-one individually with their specific dosage and which one they're on to create a very mindful tapering program. Um, if they get, if they start and get to the point where they're feeling like this is something I want to do and very commonly microdosing can support them emotionally while they're, um, entering the tapering process. Mm. And I think that's such a good reason for being part of a program, right? Like you're not just guessing there's no stabbing in the dark. Like there literally is support from someone who is an expert and God, that's just so valuable and so important, especially when we're talking about the brain. And that also brings me to another question that comes up a lot, which is if you have a family history of schizophrenia, mental illness, et cetera, um, what are your thoughts on whether microdosing is right for that person or not? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say straight up, that's me. <laughs> so I have all of all of that. Um, I have two direct relatives that have diagnosed schizophrenics. Um, I also have bipolar in my family. So I am one of those people that would probably have been screened out, you know, by, by the conventional thinking. So, um, I am my own personal testimony, um, that it would have been 
I can't even imagine not having this practice in my life. Um, it's been the most profoundly healing thing I've ever done in 28 years of, of healing modalities. So that said for the, for mainstream society, I think it's important to reference most of the time when we hear these conditions and cautions, they're based on high dose medicine journeys, which is very different than microdosing and, and plant dietas. So in a high dose experience, they caution primarily, I believe, because high dose experiences can be extremely destabilizing. So someone who has a predisposition to mental instability to begin with, there is some caution to further destabilizing someone. So that's where that caution comes from. Um, if you have personally not exhibited any symptoms of mental instability similar to those, I almost always just talk to the person on an individual basis and get a really, really good sense pretty quickly if they are stable enough, um, particularly with microdosing where you're fully in your grounded in yourself the entire experience. There's very little cause for concern in my experience. Another caution that comes up frequently is heart conditions and breastfeeding and pregnancy. Like I'm trying to get pregnant. Is this safe to do? Again, there are experts in the field that specialize in those niches and areas um, that you can find and book consults with to talk more specifically about those issues. But a lot of those cautions, I think, just come from not actual proven fact but more of a protective harm reduction liability background. So when it comes to um, those cautions, again, it's really, really individual and we just go slow and be thoughtful and talk about all the variables in someone's life when helping them decide if they're ready and in a good place to start. Mm, totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Okay. And I think I'm about to ask you the final question, which came up quite a lot actually. And I'm sort of surprised, but it was, um, how to set intentions. Oh, I love that. I and, love that people and, are even asking this. Yes. Um, setting intentions and rituals around taking your microdose, which is a beautiful question. I'd love your thoughts on that. That is such an extraordinary question. And I love that your community is asking that and they already intuit that that's part of the process. That's beautiful. A lot of people come in just thinking it's going to be like taking a pill, you know, like taking any other prescription. And so the intention setting and the ritual around your practice often becomes just as meaningful to people as taking the medicine themselves itself. Um, so we actually dedicate quite a lot in that Carmen, who is my co-coach in the program, she created a really beautiful intention manual all about that topic that's available to people when they're just starting out. Um, it can be, we encourage people to really call on their own spirit and soul when they're creating and crafting their intention for themselves. Um, again, we define intention as opposed to expectation. So we found again and again and again, when you set an intention, it tends to be expansive and broadening versus an expectation just narrows the experience. So again and again, we've seen the medicine and nature speaks to us in a way that is going to be most receptive to our spirits, but not always the way 
we think our brains would respond to it, right? Nature's far more wise than, than we are. So we encourage people to craft an intention um, that speaks to their soul purpose, that speaks to kind of their highest self, and tying it to a ritual that is an expression of who they are. So some people like to take their dose when they're in nature and be in nature. Some people like to be outdoors and and be with their dog when they take their microdose. Other people love to do it with contemplative practice and their spiritual practice, meditation, qigong is common. Um, So it's really a beautiful time to get clear and speak to the universe and spirit exactly like here I am. I'm surrendering to your wisdom. I'm surrendering to the process and I'm open. And this is kind of the star I am hitching my vision to. And then you just like let things happen. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. My intentions are, you know, they're different every day. And sometimes my intention will be something like, I want to be expanded today, which like you can take that wherever you want to. Or, you know, when I was at the conference, a few of the days, you know, my intention was I want to meet the right people. Like, let me meet like the right people. Or um, it's, I want to feel really creative today. And you just allow these things to happen. Um, But I really love to take my microdose and go for a walk or do some meditation or something like that. And um, it's just a really beautiful part of my morning. I love it. Yeah. I, really love it. I think your community is so naturally, it's so naturally complementary to microdosing and earth medicine practice because you're already working with intention in your practice itself of tapping and manifestation. So yeah. it's just kind of an, an non-specific amplifier <laughs> of that. Right. Yes. I love that. And I think also my community is very connected to the magic of life and the universe. And, you know, I can't even get into how, yeah, complimentary microdosing is to that view on life. It really is going to show you that it is as magical as you've always suspected it is. And it's going to remind you that there are no coincidences. And it's, you know, I find that it helps me. I mean, there. look, I, I'm going to actually record an entire podcast about what the benefits have been for me, but it really helps me to sweat the small stuff less. I can bird's eye view things so much more easily and not take them personally and just relax and something that Dr. Andrew Weil said at the conference was that our resistance is what creates problems in our life. And when we relax and let go and we are unguarded, then magical things happen. And we all know this intellectually, but we struggle with applying it. We know it, but it's like, how do we do it? Well, psychedelics will help you do that massively. So if you're like an overthinker, control freak, miniature fascist in your own life, then (laughs) this is the thing for you, in my opinion. Absolutely. So, so beautifully said. Yes. Okay. So, all right. How do people get in touch with you? How do they learn more about you, your program and all the beautiful things that you do? Thank you. So fun. So you can find me on all the social platforms. I am on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Casey Garrett. And on our website at microdosingforhealing.com, 
we have a 80 minute workshop that is really tailored for beginners. Uh, we emphasize creativity in the workshop, but it's really a great way to learn all the, you know, get all your basic questions answered and get a feel for what practices is like in a pretty thorough way. Uh, we also have a new-ish course called Emergence, and that is specifically for people who, once they develop their own personal intimate connection with the medicine, very, very frequently they are called to share it with their friends and their family and the community. And so we created kind of a mini course for people to kind of take that next step to expand um, in their practice to include other people. Love that so much. Oh. I just like could talk about this all day. I mean, I have a million more questions I want to ask you, but I just want to respect everyone's time, you know? Um, but thank you so much for joining me today. And I really recommend that all of you get in touch with Casey, look at her website, look at what she offers, because from what I'm seeing from questions, people have the same nervousness or anxiety that I did. And I am telling you like, this is the guide for you if that's how you're feeling. And as you can feel from her energy, she's just like a top tier person. And that's, that's who you really want to be helping you with something like this. So check out Casey for sure. And, um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Gala. And big it's love to pleasure. you and your community. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you.